2: Welcome to the program. I'm Pastor Ron Arbaugh from Calvary Chapel in San Antonio, Texas. And as most of you know by now, we're here every weekday at 4 o'clock on AM 630 The Word. Uh, This program is designed to take your Bible questions and answer your phone calls so that we can help you fall in love with Jesus. Our phone numbers are 340-9585. That's 340-9585. You can also call us toll-free at 877-630-5757. That's 630-KSLR. You can also email questions to us by emailing questions at calvarysa.com or you can use our free Calvary Chapel mobile app and send the questions that way. If you're driving in your car, the safest way to call uh, is to use the hands-free feature of the free KSLR mobile app. Just hit the call now button and you'll be connected directly to our studio producer. Um, We're on a short week this week. Uh, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, we'll be live Thursday and Friday. We're going to have a great... Um, Thanksgiving break, and I trust that you're going to have a great time as well. Remember, all week, not just waiting until Thursday, but all week, maybe we can together focus on what we're grateful to God for. Not just grateful that we get to eat, not grateful that we get time off. I mean, those are benefits, but grateful for all that God has done for us. And I'm going to do my best this week to focus on all of the things that I have to be grateful for. Uh, Because it's Monday tonight here at Calvary Chapel of San Antonio, we have our men's and women's and youth Bible studies going on at seven o'clock. The ladies will be uh, able to live stream the ladies service at uh, calvarysa.com at seven o'clock. Child care is provided. Pastor Ken is teaching the men. And then our our, uh, youth leader and our high school pastor will also be teaching the older kids. So bring the whole family. They'll be going in different directions after worship about what a great way to spend Monday night studying the Word of God. Uh, I hope you had a great time at church yesterday. We did. Lots of people were here, and um, some of you knew from the radio audience that we got a chance to meet and say hello to. Thank you for coming. Uh, Most importantly, we hope that people got saved. You know, next Sunday here at Calvary Chapel in uh, Romans chapter 11, we're going to finish the chapter. And the idea here is... Uh, waiting for the full number of Gentiles to come in. When that happens, the rapture of the church is going to occur. God is once again going to turn his attention to Israel. And we'll be with Jesus. So the reason I, every Monday, I say, I hope people got saved at your church. Is because it could be the last Gentile, the last non-Jew who gets saved And wouldn't it be great? Then we could all be out of here and be with Jesus. Now, that's not escapism. I'm not trying to get out of this world. I love my life. I love what God has asked me to do. I love the fact that every day of my life has meaning and purpose. By the way, that's something else we can be grateful for. Uh, But in comparison, being with Jesus, I'd much rather be with him. So you keep praying. Maybe people will get saved. One more time, 340 for your live calls and questions. Let me go to a question from our email inbox from Richard. Uh, Richard says, There was a gentleman who uh, wrote to your show on Friday and was headed for divorce because he became a new Christian. His wife wasn't happy about it. I know that... Once you have lived the world's way, it is hard to walk away from it. At least that's what it sounded like to me. Might be his wife's issue, and it brought to mind this passage from the Bible, 1 Corinthians 7:15. I'll talk about that verse in a minute. Uh, we'll be looking forward to hearing your answer. Uh, sorry I don't remember the gentleman's name. Thank you in advance. The reason you don't remember the gentleman's name, uh, Richard, is because he wrote in anonymously. Um, but if you're listening, the, 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 you who wrote in last week, um, Richard says, I went through something different uh, than his situation. I wrote into your show about it a year ago, uh, so my wife wanted to buy a house, but she needed a divorce in order to get the house only under her name. I told her that if that's what you want to do, go for it. But there'll be no remarriage. or just living together. Uh, as what's her idea i'm not trying to make her look like the bad guy or me the victim because there's more to the story but i know that other people have similar questions for you pastor ron uh richard his 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 uh, situation his wife uh is a jehovah's witness and uh, him coming to faith in christ has been uh an exceptionally trying time as you might imagine in their home. Um, let me look at 1 Corinthians seven fifteen, so that everybody can understand what you're talking about and I want to make some interesting observations. Um, 1 Corinthians 17 says if the unbeliever leaves let him do so or her it could be the same thing. He says a believing man or woman is not bound in such circumstances. God has called us to live in peace. Now reading that uh, I think sometimes we forget that we're free sometimes uh, if if we find Jesus, as as uh, both Richard and our other letter writer did at one point uh, in time, uh, if the wife doesn't want to come along, if she's not going to follow Jesus, if she decides because you've turned into a Jesus nut, I'm going to leave you, um, Paul's letter to the Corinthians is, is for us. If the unbeliever leaves, let him to do so. We don't want that to happen, and that's certainly not God's goal. Reconciliation or staying together is always the best. The difference here, Richard, is on the other program, we were talking about a particular situation. I advised him to look at 1 Peter chapter 3, a very special passage to me because it's the passage that really saved my life uh, when Paula wanted to leave and God told her to stay. Uh, first Peter three were her was her marching orders uh from from Jesus. Treat him like an unbeliever, love him to faith in Christ, maintain your joy, win his heart, win his soul, and that's always God's best. so Richard, well, if an unbeliever leaves, I'm just not going to stay here with you if you go to Christ, uh, if you follow jesus, um then it's okay it's painful. But, it, but it's okay, we're no longer bound, uh, the, the, the marriage covenant has been broken uh, by the unbeliever. Um, but remember, we can't ever put the unbelieving person in a situation where we manipulate them to leave. We need always to remember that the person who doesn't believe in our own home is not the enemy of our ministry, although it will feel like it, he or she's the object of our ministry. And I'm so passionate about this because I am pastor on today because Paula refused to leave. She could have. She had grounds to leave. God told her to stay. And for 13 years, she prayed for 13 years, I caused even more pain. But imagine what we would have missed out on had she left Imagine how different our lives would be by the way that's something else that I'm especially thankful for on this Thanksgiving week so the goal is to win the heart of the unbelieving spouse if they're willing to stay even if they are miserable and make things difficult for you if they're willing to stay then we need to stay there but if they leave let them go so we have to find that balance between those scriptures. So Richard, I hope that helps, and uh, I'm sure Anonymous uh, is encouraged um, by your response. 340-9585 for our live calls and questions. Here is, um, let me get this question from Amber. Uh, Amber says, Pastor Ron, I've heard you say Christians should not get too politically involved. Uh, how should we view laws concerning things like abortion? Should we allow laws that are entirely secular? Um, Amber, I don't think that we have the, the choice of whether we allow laws or not. Now, here's a situation where um, the world may view abortion, the example you listed, as, um, uh, as a political issue. It's not. This is a holiness issue. This is a righteousness issue. Uh, The unborn have no one to speak for them, so we have to speak for the unborn. You know, we've become such a throwaway society. We throw away marriages. We throw away unwanted babies. Why? Because they're inconvenient. So Christians have to take stands on these issues. What we don't have to do is to jump into the political arguments and debates about these issues. We can simply declare based on the Word of God, what is righteous and true, and what is evil and wicked. And it's hard to find disagreement that murder is evil. The problem is that people that don't know Jesus don't understand that a human being is born or a human being is formed at conception. And it's easy for them to rationalize just destroying this baby. You know, one of the things, Amber, and you didn't ask this, but I just want us to think about this from a Christian perspective. We have uh, young men and women in our church, uh, uh, many of them, uh, who almost didn't get born. They almost didn't get born. And we've watched these young men and women grow into wonderful Christians. We've watched them serve. We we get to enjoy as they use their gifts, honoring the Lord. That's not a political issue at all. Those children almost weren't because they were inconvenient. But God, who is sovereign, was in control. He moved on the hearts of the moms some cases the dads and those children were saved so again I want to emphasize this is not a political issue this is a righteousness issue so uh, we can voice our opinions certainly as Christians we can vote but when I meant we shouldn't get too politically involved I meant that we shouldn't have our hopes in a political solution we shouldn't expect unbelievers to have the same perspective that we whose lives are governed by the Bible have. So I don't think we should yell and scream and hold up pictures of dead babies at abortion clinics. I don't think that communicates the love of God to the people who don't know him. I think rather than considering them our enemy, we need to consider them the object of our faith. I use that often. seems to make the point. But by all means, we should vote. By all means, Christians should vote candidates who are pro-life. At the same time, many of those candidates who are pro-life, we have found are deeply, deeply, deeply flawed individuals who often bring shame and embarrassment to the name of Christ. So our hope has to be in God, in His Word, And the way we communicate that to a lost and wicked world is by walking the righteous walk with Jesus every day, letting our light so shine before men that they see our good works and hopefully glorify our Father in heaven. So I I, I hope I wasn't misunderstood, Amber, that we shouldn't get politically involved at all. We have the same rights in this country as everybody else. But too often, as Christians... I've watched people put their hope in a particular candidate. I've seen people's lives devastated when the candidate they wanted lost. And suddenly their faith in God was shattered. So our hope needs to be in Jesus Christ. And we can get somewhat involved. We participate in our government. But the political agenda, the secular agenda... Really isn't what we should be chasing after. So, Amber, I hope that helps. Three four zero ninety five eighty five. It's always hard to, you know, we're we're such an all in culture. Um, Two weeks. I'm thinking ahead. Two weeks from Sunday. I'm going to be starting. No, one week from Sunday. I'm going to be starting in Romans chapter 12. That's how we live in this world. That's how we can affect things that are political. Here's a question from Nicholas. Um, It's hard to explain to someone why homosexuality is a sin if it doesn't harm anyone, as our sexuality is between consenting adults. It seems like a relatively innocuous act. I like the word innocuous, Um, Nicholas. uh, Let me start with that. Is it an innocuous act when, in fact, people who practice homosexuality will not inherit the kingdom of God? Does it harm people? Knowing if they live a lifestyle like that, they're going to be shut out from the kingdom of God, from heaven. That's the way you explain it to somebody. Here's, I think, what we forget. We've been sold such a bill of bad goods by the media, the culture, the world that we live in. Oh, live and let live. Who cares? Even many professing Christians, and I emphasize the word professing Christians, support same-sex relationships, same-sex marriage. How is it possible that a Christian, somebody with Jesus' heart, would approve or even tolerate passively. Again, we can't make choices for people. But when we're not consistent with our message, how is it that a Christian could so disagree with God? And how is it that we could comfortably let somebody go to hell? When we see people who are living... Lifestyles of sin, whether it's homosexuality, uh, men and women living together, that's an epidemic inside church walls every Sunday. You talk about a tragedy, it's an epidemic. And we're bound by heart, by conscience, to tell people if somebody is living with somebody, having sex with somebody they're not married to. Or if they're having sex with, or if they married someone of the same gender. We're bound by heart and conscience to tell him that's wrong. We're bound to open to 1 Corinthians 6 or to Galatians chapter 5 and, and share. Look, I, I, I'm not judging your heart. I, I'm, I'm just telling you that you're not going to go to heaven. I want you in heaven. And Jesus is the answer. You see, that's what we've got to understand. These are not victimless crimes. These are acts that defile the human body that our Bibles say rightly belong to God. Consenting adults agree to do a lot of things. But our responsibility, Nicholas, our responsibility is to tell people the truth as demonstrating the Word of God. Let me go one other place and then we'll move on. We forget sometimes that we don't get to make the rules. This is a world that was created by the Word of God. God spoke into darkness and light came. By His own hand, our federal forefather and mother, Adam and Eve, were created. He owns everything because He created all things. And God alone makes the rules. We don't get to interpret the rules. We don't get to declare that we don't think something is fair. We choose whether we're going to be obedient or disobedient. It's that simple. Now, by and large, and we have a lot of unbelieving listeners on this radio program, and I pray that's always the case. But by and large, this audience is Christian. We who are Christians have no right to disagree with them. When somebody says, well, you're judging me. You say, I'm going to go to hell because this is the way God made me. We can say, look, God didn't make you that way. But God is the answer for the way you are. His name is Jesus. And I think too often, Nicholas, we try to spend time talking against something instead of talking about Jesus, I can't change anybody, no matter how persuasive the argument might be, I can't persuade anybody to stop sinning, I can't persuade anybody to do the right thing, all I can do is introduce them to the one who is powerful enough to do so, and God gave us the rules for marriage, marriage belongs to him, Adam and Eve were made one flesh, by the way, that's sexuality. And they were married. By the way, the only marriage ever officiated at by God himself. Since God created marriage, he makes the rules. We get no vote. Now, I understand the secular world that doesn't understand that. They don't know God. But Nicholas, we are Christians. We have to agree to him. And if You can't figure out how to explain to Jesus on the day of judgment why you thought this was a sin that didn't harm anyone because it's between consenting adults. He's going to say, well, wait a minute. Judgment breaks my heart. I say at 28, judgment is a strange word for God. And he's going to ask you, why didn't you tell the people that I love, the people that you cared about, that this is not an innocent sin? nor is any other sin. But believe me, there's nothing innocuous about homosexuality. There's nothing innocuous about heterosexual behavior when people aren't married. There's certainly nothing innocuous about a man who looks at pornography on a computer screen, breaks his wife's heart and her spirit, There's nothing innocuous about those things. The Apostle Paul said that all other sins, referring to all other than sexual sins, all other sins a man commits are sins committed outside his body. But when he or she sins sexually, it's a sin against his own or her own body. And when we do that, we're giving Satan a stranglehold on us. We're giving him the very weapons he needs to destroy us. And Nicholas, we've got to warn people. Again, there's nothing at all innocuous about it. Hope that answers your question. 340-9585. Phones have been quiet. We're inside four minutes. So we'll take another question, but we'd love to have your live calls. 340-9585 on the other. Uh, side of the break here is a question from Jackie um, why would Eve listen to the serpent how did the devil have an opening in a perfect world uh, your second question there Jackie is really an important one uh, why would Eve listen to the serpent we can answer that question every day um, just the same way we listen to the enemy he tells lies he provokes us he tempts us Eventually, we give in to what we want to do. Well, Eve was no different. Now, the question about how the devil had the opening in a perfect world is is really interesting to me. Now, I, I have no proof that this is the way it happened. I just know how humans fall into sin. But, Jackie, here's what I think. I think the minute that God said you can't eat from any tree, or you, you can eat from any tree but the one tree, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, I think Eve's first response to that was, "How come?" And I think that's an opening the enemy gave her. And when the enemy had that opening, he took it. You know, we find her by the tree now in my again, in my mind's eye, I have no insight on how this happened, but I see her with all of the other trees in the garden at her disposal. I see her looking out a corner of the riot at one tree. Now, I'm sure the tree was beautiful. I'm sure the fruit looked absolutely delicious. It smelled great. And I think she kept wondering, why can't I eat from that tree? It looks so good. And Adam's answer at first was probably because God said. Well, why? It doesn't make sense. Well, I don't know why, but God said. I think that she spent some time pretty close to that tree. I think she got close enough to where she could touch it. I think she got close enough where she could hold the fruit in her hand and smell it while it was still on the tree. And I think that was the moment when she was focusing on what she couldn't have instead of everything that God had given them. I think it was at that moment the enemy was right there and he said, did God really say? And Jackie, that's been the temptation from the evil one from the beginning. Did God really say that's the lie from the devil before the next one well why did God say that doesn't make sense I think she found herself at just the right time Peter tells us the devil roars like a prowling lion looking for people that he could he could devour and I think at that moment he, he, he knew he had Eve and she was deceived and she ate Adam by the way made a willful choice But I think we give the devil an opening in our lives the same way she did, by being around the things or thinking about the things or focusing on the things that he tells us we can't have instead of rejoicing in all the things that he has given us for Jackie, thanks for the question. We've got 30 minutes left in the Monday edition of the program. 340-9585 for your live calls and questions. 340-9585. We'll be back in two minutes.
1: to the word to stand on for life we're taking your calls at 340-9585 or toll free 877-630-KSLR now here's pastor ron arbaugh
2: welcome back to the second half of the monday program 340-9585 or toll free 877-630-KSLR hey before I, i go to randy's question it's a related question Um, let me ask all of you to remember, uh, just, just hit me like a ton of bricks. Um, please, 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 um, pray earnestly this week, all week long, uh, for the families of the, of the victims in Sutherland Springs. What a painful Thanksgiving it's going to be, um, you know, when it's in the news and We always see it before us, it's easy to remember, it's easy to pray, but when things quiet down and the story fades out of the news cycle, that's when they need prayer the most. So this Thanksgiving week, please keep the Sutherland Springs survivors, those who are hurting so deeply. Holidays are always tough and this is going to be a tough one and they need our prayers. The enemy as I say, often is relentless. Here is a question sort of related. Well, and before we go that, we've got a phone call, so let me go there. Let's go to San Antonio and talk with Rose on line one. Rose, thanks for calling. You're on the air.
3: Uh, first, I would just like to say thank you so much for this program. I so enjoy it, and I love it. And I I, I called you the other day about the book of Daniel, and oh, my goodness, mm-hmm. I've been just loving you're teaching on that. That's been so oh, insightful thanks. and just great. Oh, my goodness. I love it. Um, and uh, on that one I, one, I didn't know what the word innocuous means. <laughs> so if you can explain <laughs> that to me a little bit. And let me just give you my questions, and I'll answer it online. And then, okay. uh, well, the other two are more like, well, one, the other one is when you're talking about Adam and Eve in the garden. Um, it was interesting, I, I thought, when you said that, how God didn't kind of talk to Eve a little bit, and like he did to Cain, when Cain was fixing to, and thinking about killing his brother, how, how you know, God didn't come to her and say it, mm-hmm. unless it was just a matter of free choice, and he didn't want to muddy, you know, that, um, that experience, you know, because he came to Cain and kind of questioned, you know, if you do what's right, you know, God will, you know, you'll be accepted. So I thought that that was interesting, if you have any thoughts on that. And then the other thing is, for that response, you know, my sister was married to a man for quite some time, had two children, young children, or, you know, like eight, nine years old, and then he went ahead and said that he is really gay and he's struggling with it and he wants a divorce and he wants to pursue that. And uh, it was devastating to my sister. Mm -hmm. It really was. And the two children... I mean, it was just they ended up living with my mom for a while and just trying to find their feet. And, I mean, you know, not only he was in he was in tarot cards and he was in palm reading as well, but somehow those children, I mean, they never really thrived. They never got
2: got married.
3: Um, they never had children. So my sister really lost out. You know, she didn't. I mean, I'm not blaming necessarily the, uh, the choice that the husband made, but the homosexuality, I believe, if, if he didn't, you know, go into that, and you know, he, it would have been a different turnout for her. You know, sure. so I'm just sorry that it it really did affect my sister's home, and marriage, and family. So I I don't know. Like I said, I'm I'm a little homophobic myself. I love them, I don't understand them, and I just need more research on them. I guess to understand, you know, why if they love God, they shouldn't just either be celibate or you know just. Live a life of consecration to them, you know, instead of making everybody, you know, stumble and and destroy. You know, these young kids that's getting shoved down their throat almost every day that this is okay, yeah. and you know, you might even be, and to where these poor young kids that don't even know who they are are actually questioning, well, can I be homosexual or lesbian? Should I maybe, yeah. you know, because everybody's doing yeah. it, you know, and it's just it's to me, it's not really a healthy thing for our. our to just let's all go rampant you know so i'll hang up and let you um you and once again i do appreciate you listening to me and and just uh you know your 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 program i appreciate it thank you
2: thank thank you rose i appreciate it very very much i'm going to spend a little bit of time on the second part of the question i'll get to the first one so be patient with me rose but these are really important things that we have to stop and consider now remember um Someone's not a Christian because they were raised in church or because they say they are. They're Christian because Jesus has come and taken up residence in their heart. And the person who is struggling with same-sex attraction, uh, it, that's actually a good thing, and, and, and I'll explain that. It's a good thing because they're struggling. They haven't given in. In the case that you um, um, pointed out, uh, that man stopped struggling. Uh, he proved who he was. They went out from us to prove they were not really part of us. First John chapter 2, verse 19. Um, but, but these choices that have to be made, they're either going to be made to please God or to please flesh. Now, there's a couple of things that, that, that you said that are so important. Our children are desperately, desperately confused and being even more so because our country, has blessed what God says is sin and anything our nation blesses increases exponentially anything our nation blesses by approving by 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 making legal um, abortion um, 65 plus million children have been murdered since roe v wade in 1973 65 million, how many scientists, how many doctors, how many lawyers, how many preachers or evangelists would have been in that group of 65 million? Maybe the cure for cancer. And yet we'll never know because 65 million people never had an opportunity to live. Why? Because our government said it was okay, even a good thing. Well, same-sex marriage is the same thing. Your children are being told that same-sex attraction. Just give in to it. Discover who you are. And it's perfectly okay even approved. They call people who are coming out publicly in their sexuality, they're calling them heroes. And every kid wants to be a hero. Every kid wants attention. Especially when we go through those rebellious times. We'll experiment with anything that the world says is okay, whether it's sexuality or drugs or booze. So, of course, they're confused. That's why our ministry rose to them is really, really important. Now, you use the word homophobic, and I don't believe for a moment you're homophobic in the sense that you hate them um, or or are fearful of them. Phobos is the, is the, the root word. It's a fear. Um, you don't understand them. I understand that. But we have to love them. And I want you to think about something for a moment, Rose. If you were confronted, let me I'll, I'll take you out of it and, and, and just use me as an example so it's not personal for anybody. But if somebody told me to be a Christian, to go to heaven, I could not love Paula, the love of my life. I, I don't know how I, I I I don't know how to respond. Now obviously I've got the word of God and I know that's not true, but when somebody who doesn't know God or only has a casual relationship with God is told that in order to please God, you have to be celibate your entire life. We're born to be relational. We're born for physical contact. Our instincts crave it. And then somebody tells you that this God doesn't want you to be happy, doesn't want you to have that kind of relationship. We need to understand the difficulty of that. And we need to have compassion. We need to deal empathetically. And when you put yourself in their shoes for a moment, it's a little easier to understand the pain and the confusion. Now, that doesn't mean we capitulate to them. That doesn't mean that we give them any any sense or inkling at all that it's okay what they're doing. But what we do is we introduce them to Jesus. And, Rose, here's the thing. Here's the easiest way to understand all sinners, people that don't know Jesus Christ's sin. You did it before you were saved, Rose. I did it before I was saved. And except that their sin, the sin of sexual immorality, as I told the other questioner, Um, except for that sin gives Satan a deeper inroad. Um, Your sin, whatever it was you were guilty of before you got saved, my sins keep me as far from God as their sin does. So our job is to introduce them to Jesus Christ. And when we introduce people to Jesus they make a choice whether to say yes or no. We've done our part. But believe me, when the same-sex attracted person accepts Jesus Christ, then he or she learns that God's grace is sufficient. We learn about the power of God. But that's a work of God, God the Holy Spirit. We, we can't do it. It certainly doesn't um, help the cause of winning anyone to Christ by being fearful of them or by not liking them or writing them off. With relative to your sister's husband, he proved he wasn't a believer. I want you to think about this. In our culture, we have equated our sexuality with God. I mean, think about it. We choose God or we choose our sexuality. We choose sexuality. Rose saved men spend time looking at filth on a computer screen, and they've done it because they want what they want instead of what God wants. We've got to tell people that you can control your lust. We made sexuality an idol, and we're paying the price for it. So. I hope that helps. The first question is interesting. I could spend a lot of time on this, but I already took time with this. But the difference between Cain uh, and and Eve was simple. Eve's was designed as a test in a perfect world. By the time Cain fell, sin already entered the world. There was already uh, rivalry. There was already envy and jealousy. There was already hatred. There was already violence. Because that's what the sinful human condition is all about. Remember, there's a long time between Cain and Abel's um, issue and Adam and Eve falling uh, by eating the forbidden fruit. God warned Cain the same way he warns us when we sin. Every one of us when we're contemplating sin, when we're planning our sin, planning on giving in to temptation. The Holy Spirit's knocking at the door of our heart and just as surely as God warned Cain audibly. He warns us. So we're no different than Cain. Cain didn't get what he wanted. He wanted God to come to Cain on Cain's terms instead of Cain coming to God on God's terms. It's a far different test, temptation, than the one that Eve and then... Subsequently, Adam, faced in a perfect world where there was only one thing that God forbid. Only one thing. So those are the things that we have to focus. And by the way, we've been letting the one thing. I get calls on this radio program all the time about women pastors. God has given them everything. He's withheld one thing. And yet, Just like Eve, we want that one thing. So, Rose, thank you for calling, and thank you for your kind thoughts. You're going to love the rest of Daniel. What a great book. I've got a very special caller calling now from Austin, Texas, on line one. Brielle, welcome home to the United States. Hi, (laughs) Papa. I can't wait to see you, sweetheart.
3: I just want to say thank you for your prayers, and I also want to say thank you to everyone else who is listening who has also been praying for me. Um, Bible college was awesome. I, I just seen a growth, and I can't wait to share everything that the Lord has done. So thank you so much. I love you, Papa.
2: <laughs> thank you. I love you too, Brielle. And by the way, tell your dad I told him that if he really loved you, he'd stop at Round Rock Donuts for you. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Brielle. Look forward to seeing you. <laughs> uh oh, uh-huh. Word of explanation to the radio audience. Brielle, I actually had her on the program. She graduated from our high school uh, last year, and she has been in Lima, Peru, at the Calvary Chapel Bible College there, and uh, this is her first time. She's coming home for the holidays between semester breaks. Uh, Brielle is going to be going... Um, um, back to the Bible college, but this next semester is going to be uh, in Israel. Um, So she's got a lot of excitement ahead of her, but we haven't seen her for, uh, it seems like forever. And she's on her way home today. So uh, Brielle, it was great to hear from you and please everybody keep Brielle uh, Ballesteros in your prayers. 340-9585 for your live calls and questions. That made my day. Here's a question from Randy, the related one in terms of related to spiritual warfare. Randy says, what should we do when we're under spiritual attack? Randy, there's only one thing to do, and that's run so fast and so close to Jesus that the enemy can't find an opening. We have to run to Jesus. You know, I think sometimes, Randy, when we're being tested or tempted, we get way, way, way closer to the test or to the temptation than we are to Jesus and that's what the enemy is trying to do he's trying to get us in that place where we're vulnerable where he can catch us like he caught Eve I said in response to the other question Um, he's trying to catch us in that place where we're vulnerable but if we're so close to Jesus now Hebrews calls Jesus our elder brother now Randy I don't know if you have a big brother but but I did and my big brother was the same size when he was uh, 11 years old as he is today. He was just one of those kids that grew so quick and so fast. He was six foot tall um, and and maybe a little bit on the chubby side, uh, just sort of uh, pudgy, um, prepubescent side. But he was a big, big, big kid. Now, I'm a little tiny guy now. I'm the kid that had the mouth. And when everybody, anybody wanted to pick a fight with me, I just look at him and say, look, if you want to mess with me, you've got to go through my big brother. And John, my big brother, protected me. Well, how much more Jesus, who's our big brother? You see, we want to huff and puff at the devil. We want to figure out that we can stand under the temptation. We can't. Don't talk to the enemy at all. Don't bind him. Don't take authority over him. None of that nonsense, Randy. Just run to Jesus and, and worship him. Talk to him. And when the enemy is lying to you, when the enemy is trying to tempt you, just look to Jesus and say, you got that right? And you keep on talking to Jesus. When the devil went into the throne room of God, I, I don't know why he was or is permitted, but but for some reason that I can't understand he was. God looked at the devil and said, what have you been doing? Oh, going back and forth. You've been checking out my servant Job, haven't you? I have no one like him. He's the best of the best. The idea there is that Satan was inspecting. That's a military term that he was using. He was inspecting him, looking for a weakness. And because he couldn't find one, God... Allowed Satan to attack. Now, he's not going to do that with you and me. But my point here is that, Randy, when you're under attack, Satan can huff and puff and threaten to blow your house down, but he can't do it. Why? Because Jesus has got you. Jesus is covering you. And we need to understand that. Randy, you're no match for the devil. On your best day, you're a cream puff when it comes to the devil pounding on you. But the devil is no match for Jesus. So let Jesus do your fighting. Stay close to Jesus. Now, there are some things that will help you stay close to Jesus. Spend time in your Bible. Read systematically. Study your Bible. Spend time talking to God. We call that prayer, but but just talk to God. Don't make it um, something that's so difficult and Uh, Just talk to him all day, every day. Understand that when you're with him, nothing can harm you. It's only when we get closer to the thing that we're afraid of, or the thing we're being tempted by, or even the circumstances that seem to be closing in. That, you see, is when we find ourselves vulnerable. When we're close to Jesus, so close to Jesus... I like to think of the woman with the issue of blood. She was risking everything to just get close enough to Jesus to touch the hem of his robe. Because she had an issue of blood, anything that she touched would become unclean. She could have been stoned had she been discovered, but she didn't care the size of the crowd. She fought through the crowd. If I only touch the hem of his robe, I'll be healed. Well, if we'll get that close to Jesus, then we'll have no problem with the spiritual warfare. It'll be nothing more than just a a minor irritation. An irritation, for sure, but just an irritation at that. So, Randy, I hope that helps. 340-9585 for Live Calls and Questions. Here is a question from Steve. He wants to know, Why did Jesus have to be baptized if he never sinned? well that was the question that John the Baptist was asking when he looked up and it was Jesus getting into the Jordan River John looked at him and said it is I who should be baptized by you don't make me do this and Jesus I'm sure looked at him and said you're right but do this to fulfill all righteousness you see Jesus was going into that water for us Steve to identify with us. Jesus was going through in that water to identify with you and me. He was going into that water prophetically to say, I'm going to become sin. And that's the only reason the perfect God could be or should be baptized. It was a prophetic word that said, I'm going to become sin. And that's what 2 Corinthians 5.21 says. He who knew no sin became sin. We sometimes trivialize Jesus' death on the cross saying, oh, he he took on our sin. He did much more than that. He became sin. And I want you to think for a moment about the, the magnitude of that statement, Steve. He became sin. Perfect, almighty, holy God for the first time ever and the only time tasted sin the utter filth of sin defiled Jesus the father looked away my God my God why have you forsaken me because he can't look upon sin and Jesus at his baptism was making the declaration that I'm going to become the sin of this world so that many can be saved so he didn't have to be baptized. he chose to be baptized, and it's such a great message of love for all of us. So Steve, I hope that answers your question. We got time for one more question I think let's go to Jerry's question uh, since Paul and Barnabas were both I've got two minutes so I got time for this since Paul and Barnabas were both Christians, why couldn't they resolve their disagreement and stay together? Well, Jerry, the reason they couldn't resolve their difference same reason it. We who are Christians in 2017 often can't resolve our differences. We're not willing to. We're just not willing to. We've got our perspective, our agenda, and we don't want anything to interfere with that. Now, in Paul and Barnabas' case, there's some important dynamics going on. These two men, faithful servants of God, men that loved each other, the issue was a controversy over John Mark, who is the author of the Gospel of Mark. He'd been on an earlier mission trip with them, and he bailed on them. He left them. And the mission was put in jeopardy. Paul was mission-oriented. Bar- Barnabas, called the son of consolation, was people-oriented. Barnabas quick to give grace. Oh, well, let's give him another chance. Paul said, no, we can't put the mission in jeopardy. So the result was two righteous men, both of them doing what they believed with all of their heart to be right. But they couldn't walk together. How can two walk together unless they agree to do so? So what did God did? He worked out all things together for the good of those who love him and who are called according to his purpose. He created two completely separate missions. They loved one another. They were friends. John Mark was restored. It turned out great. So, Jerry, I hope that helps. Hey, thanks for tuning in today on this Thanksgiving weekend. You've been listening to The Word to Stand On for Life. I'm Pastor Ron Arbaugh from Calvary Chapel in San Antonio, Texas. Remember, our men's, women's, and youth Bible studies tonight at 7. Lord willing, I'll be back tomorrow at 4 o'clock. See you then.
1: The Word to Stand On for Life with Pastor Ron Arbaugh. The Word to Stand On for Life is on every weekday afternoon at 4